Yeah, you know what you can get me, Pee Wee? What? El hombre. First of all, as a service to the listeners, this is an absolute forget about it. El hombre. He's a pariah. I mean, it's like going after raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. El hombre. You look forward to it every single week. He is here with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. The one, the only, El Hombre. Michael Bradley is here. How are you, man? Boy, the quality of those uh, updates has really improved week to week. <laughs> now, I can't really read your tone, but I'm thinking. That, really? Yeah. Laying it on pretty it? thick. You're laying it on pretty thick, huh? Maybe you need a refresher course. Boy, I'll tell you, is it a slow news day or what when that's the lead story? No, you know, I judge might play some left field. I, I chose it because it was the shortest one. <laughs> no, I get it, but I mean, there's not a lot going on today. I mean, that's the thing. We're, yeah. we're, we're in the doldrums a little bit here, and, and we need something to start happening. Hey, yeah. where, where are you with the new rules as far as, you know, the, the I don't know how much you've, you've gotten into it. Obviously, you know, there's the shift won't be there and, and the, uh, the pitch clock and all that. I, I, we're curious about the, uh, the pickoff attempts, the disengagements from the, uh, the rubber there. The pitcher can get two per batter, and then on that third attempt, you better pick him off or he gets the base. What do, what do you I think of that? I'm in favor of everything. Really. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Okay. Look, I, I love Phillies baseball, and I go to a lot of games every year. I went to you know, the, the playoff game where Harper hit the home run. I was at two World Series games. It was just great stuff. But there is nothing worse than sitting in, you know, on May 18th, uh, and, and a game that really, you know, at this point doesn't matter, and it's a three to two game in the seventh, and it's already taken two hours and forty five minutes. So, yes, pitch clock, yes, disengagement, yes, all of that stuff that's going to speed up the game. Also, let's make the bases bigger because sometimes guys get tagged out by like three inches, and you, you know, the extra three inches can help on that. The the, the engage the um, the shift, yes. These players, I wrote an article maybe five years ago where I talked to three pitching coaches, and I asked them, why can't these guys just poke a single to the opposite field? And he's like, well, they, they don't want to do it. The metrics show that you need to hit home runs and pull the ball. So, and I'm like, well, your coaches, can't you teach them how to do it? Well, they don't want to do it. It's like, wow, they're powerless. So these guys are never going to hit to the opposite field. So now that when they're hitting the ball in the between first and second base, it's a base hit as it should be. Yeah, you know what's funny? It's interesting perspective there because to me, I just felt like, well, the best in the world couldn't do it. Otherwise, they would have done it. And you you think that that most uh, most of it's because they just don't want to. I was told that by the coaches. Hmm. It's not that they, they can't do it. Come on, high school kids can hit to the opposite field. Pros can hit to the opposite field. There's an outside pitch. Poke it to left. There's nobody there. But, no, that won't result in a home run, and I won't get paid more. Mm. So, you know, I, I just look at it as this is, this is the game has to be fixed that way because it's, it's really boring to sit around and wait for the three-run home run. Let's have some more, you know, what happened to the four-run rally with uh, two singles, a walk, a double, and a triple or something? You know, I don't know how that adds up, but, you know, it sounds like it <laughs> might get, get that before. You'd get a lot closer, certainly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, and I think, uh, what do you think about the base stealing? I mean, the thing, the three inches, you mentioned that. I mean, yeah, that's, 
a lot of times we do see a replay where you know like it's the it's the uh, the wrap or the thread or the string of the guy's glove that touches i mean it's all really close and everything but the the other thing about the there's only two pickoff moves and i feel like that one could you know make make it a lot more dramatic as far as the base running goes Look, the running game is exciting, and let's remember, there's a lot of times, right, where the guy throws over to first because the catcher tells him to, because the manager told the catcher, because he wants to unnerve the hitter. There's, there's nothing really to stop the runner. I've seen them throw over with, with like, catchers on first base. Mm-hmm. These, you know, now, J.T. Real Muto, the Phillies, he will steal bases. But some of these large backside catchers, they're in there because they're, you know, they're great backstops. They're not running. But let's, let's, so let's stop that nonsense. And people, the purists, and, and I'm about as pure as they come, the purists are going to say, oh, no, that's strategy. It's the mental game. It's the mind game. Yeah, but there's too much of it now. And in a game that has probably, on average, about five minutes of action, it shouldn't take three hours and 20 minutes to get there. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? You mentioned the big, uh, the big backside. We actually have a catcher here called the Big Dumper. That's, that's yeah. his nickname. But he can run. Right. He can actually he's run. Gonna, he's going to steal some bases? Come on. No, no, not really. No, right. He can get from first to third on a pit, hit to right because he knows how to tur- make the turn. Good for him. But he's not stealing bases. But yeah, here's the pitcher throwing up, and the guy's like two feet from the base. Yeah, I've, I've, un- that's the nonsense that has to stop. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I've seen it here. J.P. Crawford, who you're familiar with, doesn't yeah. steal bases. Look at his numbers. He doesn't steal bases. He takes maybe the shortest lead of anybody I see in baseball. And I've seen them throw a few times over when he's standing there. I'm like, he's literally a step off the base, and he's not a stolen base threat. But it is part of the strategy, I guess. So I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent on that. Uh, what, what I was, we were talking about Shohei Otani uh, earlier in the show because obviously everybody's doing media. They're reporting to spring training, and he's going to be a free agent after the season. So everybody's wondering, you know, what's his commitment to the Angels? Where is he going to go? And in the article, now this isn't gospel, but they're speculating that his contract could be somewhere, if he has another good year, that it could be somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 million. I was thinking 600. Were you I was really? thinking 10 years, $60 million. Because here's the thing, and I may, be, I may be inflating it a little bit, but this is a guy who plays 160 games. He pitches 25 of them. He hits the rest. You don't have to DH for him. You can, you know, you say you got a banjo hitting second shortstop in the lineup. You can pin, you can DH for him because Shohei can can hit if you have to. Um, his WAR is off the off the charts, and he seems like a great teammate. He picks up the garbage after the game, so <laughs> I, I I think it could be five hundred million. I think it could be twelve years, five hundred million dollars, very easily. Man, so, I mean, we were daydreaming out here in Seattle about the idea that the Mariners would make a play for him, and they're listed in the article as one of the teams that would be of interest because they're they're in a good salary position, blah, blah, blah. I I don't know if it starts getting up into that five five hundred plus million dollars. If how many how many clubs are realistically going to be because you're getting you could make the case if you're an ownership group or or a fan base trying to plead to the owner, you're getting two for one. You're getting a frontline pitcher. You're getting yep. a top-of-the-rotation pitcher and a middle-of-the-order bat, a guy who's your three or four, a guy who's who's premier at both. You're getting, So it's kind of two salaries rolled into one guy. I think you'd have to pawn the space needle. <laughs> to get him here? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you'd have to be, have to be some <laughs> Whoa, creative financing much. for that to happen. But, you know, seriously, though, it's – 
it is it is a he's a great player. I mean, you always worry about injury when you're committing that kind of ridiculous money, right? But at the same time, as you said, this guy is a really good starting pitcher and he's a really good hitter. So Something we've rare, never seen in our lifetime. Completely rare, yeah. And, I mean, even when Babe Ruth, you look at Babe Ruth's stats when he was pitching, he wasn't hitting like he, he did, you know, after 1919. So it is it is a really, um, and I think Graz was alive then, but I, I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's so rare that he's going to do that, and you know teams are going to they're going to line up. I mean, you don't think Steve Cohen of the Mets is going to throw everything he's got at him? Oh, I think he will. That's why, as a Mariner yeah. fan, I, I I love the idea of it, but I just don't see it being realistic. I just want to keep him in the American League. I think the Dodgers is. If I were betting on a team, I'd bet on the Dodgers. I think you're right. I don't think the Yankees will go that far. Um, Cohen will will try it, but I mean, really, who wants to play in Queens? So I, I think I think the Dodgers would make sense for him because you know this is guys this guy's across the Pacific. You know he's 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 used to the West Coast. Um, I, I think it would be uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, and I, I think he's an anomaly. I don't think other agents are going to be able to say after he gets his contract, well, you know Shohei Otani got this, my guy deserves that. Uh-uh, that, that he's he's too rare. Yeah, there are no comps. I wonder what his no. I wonder what his agent takes percentage was. They get about three four percent. Yeah, mine was three, but I get. Yeah, I think on those bigger contracts, though, it's got to be they got to just like a flat no. rate. Like we're going to get down, you, give you five million or something. Take or? it down a little bit. Well, I mean, what's what's four percent? At four percent of five hundred million is like you know twenty million dollars. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Well, I mean, you think we don't talk about these numbers? How long do you think, El Ombre, until we have a billion dollar contract? How many years? 15, In any sport. Fifteen. Fifteen years. Yeah, okay. I think it'll be an NBA contract first because they you know you get fewer players. Yeah. The it, it, what's going to have to happen is the net, and and this will be very interesting because it's all based on TV revenue now, right? So so what are you going to have? What's the next NBA TV contract going to be? If it is if it's appreciably higher and the salary caps, you know, stays what it is and the percentage of what they're getting and 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 the rules for the, you know staying with the team, et cetera. You could get somebody making seventy million dollars. Uh, see, the NBA they only have seven million dollar contracts. So it'll be a baseball contract because they'll be the thirteen year ones. So yeah. thirteen times, geez, that's got to be eighty million dollars. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That's fifteen to twenty years then. Wow. Yeah, it, it's amazing. And the other thing is, and I, this is very morbid. I'm mostly joking. Uh, there's lots of things that I say that are morbid, but this is one that he could get hit by a bus. So, you know, I mean, he's just a flesh and blood human being with with bones that break and, you know, cartilage yeah. that can get torn. I mean, I just can't imagine sinking that much money into a frail human being. Yeah, but but here's the thing. This is what I always remind people about. I I have I have a friend who's the leader of our season ticket plan. And this guy pays attention to salaries like you wouldn't believe. And like if you pay a million more for a a relief, middle reliever than you should and you could get somebody else for less, he loses his mind. And it's like the owner of the, the Phillies is worth 3 billion dollars. His, his his television local television contract is two fifty million before you know he gets that before the first pitch is thrown, first ticket is sold, first hot dog is consumed. He, this guy takes it personally when they overpay for somebody. Mm-hmm. So 
but but the thing about it is, it's not our money. They're not. Our tickets are going to rise when this Philly stunk. The tickets still went up. Yeah. The beer prices still went up. These pirates are going to keep charging whatever they can get. So, and I don't mean the Pittsburgh ones. So I, you got to pay it. It's it's the market. It's it's what you got to do. If you're referring to Pittsburgh, you would have said pirates. The pirates. But here's the thing also, and Rob Manfraud said this week, this, this week and, not, and not in so many words, but someone asked him about the team's tanking and how fans have no hope in certain markets. And he basically said, you know, that's not good language, and you, you know, it's unfortunate that somebody said that. He didn't say it isn't true. Mm-hmm. Baseball's got a real problem because it's got teams that have absolutely no hope of winning anything every year. Yep. I mean, the Cincinnati Reds, no shot. Pittsburgh, no way. Yep. And they can they can talk all they want in Tampa Bay about the great team they're building of young people. Maybe once every so often you can make the playoffs, but you know, it, the old days of being able to think, hey, you know, they, they could do it. That doesn't exist in a lot of towns. No, there's they they have to come with a floor, a a, a minimum that a yeah. team has to spend. You can't have teams like the A's in Baltimore and Pittsburgh and those teams spending in the forties, forty million. I mean, some players yeah. are going to make that in a season. Their whole roster is costing them forty two million, forty one million, and they still get the revenue sharing. They still get money from the yep. competitive balance tax from the. You know the New York Mets or the Dodgers or any team that's spending and being taxed, and they're getting that that money. They're just pocketing it. They're not putting it back into their product. So I feel I feel terrible for their fan bases. Yeah, and and that's why the NFL is the perfect socialistic experiment, right? There's no local TV. All the national TV revenues are split equally, whether you're in Green Bay or whether you're in New York City. Two wildly disparate uh, ADIs. And and now you have a chance every four or five years for every team to make the playoffs. And it happens, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing in baseball. Pittsburgh doesn't get the same local revenue that the Phillies do. They don't get the same. They can't charge the same prices. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very unfortunate. And, and if anything's going to ruin baseball, it will be that because people will just stop paying attention to a third of the teams. Yeah, it just sorry, Dave. It just you know, looking at at the at the wealth that that is attached to some of these owners. I think I was reading the list the other day. I think it was Oakland. I might have switched up with Baltimore, but the Oakland owners were somewhere over two billion dollars, yeah. and, and their payroll is just a shade over forty million. And and same same with the owner of of uh, Baltimore, a billionaire billionaire and they're they're in the 40s for their payroll it's just there's no excuse there's got to if you're going to own a professional franchise then you should be able to to put a minimum product out there on the field and not one that just shows up one that's actually trying to compete something that that tells your fan base yeah your money is being well spent yeah we want to make a profit but we also want to put a a a, you know a representative product on the field i mean it's just it's lame there has to be a floor and there's a never-ending cycle, right? So if the fans, you know, vote with their feet and don't show up, then the owners can say, well, our attendance has been sagging. We're losing money because we're not getting the revenues that we need, so we can't possibly pay for the, these, these star players. Now, and the floor, the floor has to be like $100 million. And if somebody says, I can't afford that, we say, well, we got people who want to buy your team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, a lot of, there's more billionaires out there than ever before. So we, we'll, we'll find somebody. Don't worry. That's a great point. You know, and I, I feel like uh, if they were like the NFL owners, they would kind of get together and say, hey, let's get, let's get different owners in here, right, that want to be serious about competing. Yeah, and, that, and that's the, the thing about it. But, but, I mean, if you're the, if you're the 
Yankees owner or you're Steve Cohen or you're you're the Dodgers owner or you're the the Phillies owner. You want Pittsburgh in there. You know, yeah. you want me on that, that that wall. You need me on that wall. You need <laughs> Pittsburgh in there. You need them to stink. You need the Marlins in there. You need teams that are going to stink so that you can beat up on them and and not have to worry about t- making hay against the better teams in the league. All right, so you heard that Aaron Judge might play left field. Um, what <laughs> where, else? Where do you hear that? What else would? <laughs> what else sort of uh, you know raised the the meter and the needle today uh, or over the weekend? Was it the XFL or was it the NBA All Star Slam Dunk Contest? You're gonna love this. I didn't watch a second of the uh, NBA All Star Game. Literally, I did not watch a second. You watched I golf. Watch, I, I watched a ton of golf, but I also watched parts of three XFL games. Oh. And. I'm writing an article right now for Sports Business Journal on Danny Garcia, who's one of the owners and the chairwoman of the uh, the, the league, and it's it's fascinating to see their 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 competitive model. I love the fourth and fifteen instead of the onside kick. It should probably be fourth and twenty. I, I like the new um, kickoff uh, setup that they have. It will have fewer injuries, and there's a chance for a, a bigger um, chance of a bigger return. Um, I like the. Uh, running time after out-of-bounds and incompletions except for the last two minutes of the game. So there's, there's a lot of things they're doing that are sort of serving as a laboratory for the NFL. Mm-hmm. The competitive level is not very high, um, obviously, uh, but but it, it was interesting. The, it, I, I watched Mac McClung. That 540 was large. It was tremendous. <laughs> I loved. I loved that. You know, he, he didn't need to bring a Buick out or or a hot air balloon or a harpoon or a something. Phone booth. He, you you right, better explain exactly. who you're talking about right now because uh, most people are going to have no idea who that Somebody is. Know who's right? Mac McClung from Gate City, Virginia, and the, uh, the the G League went to Georgetown for two years. Went to Texas Tech for one or two. Before he got to college, he was a YouTube sensation because of the dunks he had in high school. Wow. This was a kid who. Has a 43 and a half inch vertical leap. So when he got into the slam dunk contest, he was he was tremendous, and it was great to see the NBA players who were saying the same thing as your listeners are, which was who the heck is this kid? Looking at him, going, "Whoa, that was a lot of fun." Yeah, he's listed at six two, which means he's probably six one, maybe a bit under yeah, six but, feet and a half. Yeah, and and standing next to everybody else out there, he looked like four foot seven. I mean, he looks and, so and he small. He looks like he's about nine. Yeah, he's got his you know he's got his hair parted on the side. It doesn't yeah. look like he's got a, a a hair on his face, and he does. Yeah, he right. looks like he's still in you know he's a freshman in high school. It's, They're going to start yeah, he, to look like that more and more to us guys. Yeah, uh, every he, year, he really looks, looks like. Yeah, it. I mean, look, I teach college, and this guy looks like he would. Be, I'd be saying, oh, you're. You're, you're visiting today, youngster. Here you go. <laughs> you know, when he was when he last last week, he got a little hair on his upper lip. They put some milk on it, and a cat came and licked it off, and that was fine. Yeah, he just. I wonder. I don't know what his game is like. I mean, his his it's not. It's not good. He's he's been in like eleven different organizations. Okay. on on two way contracts and G League deals and all that. So he's you know he's he's a he's a sensation. He can jump, and I think. You know, my son. My son is 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 great for like coming up with crazy stuff. Like he loves innovation in sports. And what he thinks is next year you make it, you open it to anybody, the G League guys or whatever, Ooh. and and you just want the dunks. Yeah. That's what I want. And I'm waiting for the, the 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 dunk that will end the dunk contest. 
is the guy who takes off in the middle of the lane or just inside the foul line, does a front flip in the air, and then dunks it. No trampoline. No, no. He does that. He does that dunk. It's over. Never never have a dunk contest again. It just looks like CGI. You know what? That, yeah. I was thinking that you were going to say a front somersault or whatever flip, but then once that happens, then it would be what? What would be the next step? The back flip? There's nothing. There's nothing. No, no one could do a backflip. They'd break their neck. But the front flip, my <laughs> oh, favorite the front flip that, is world, okay. that World Free used to be, do, which was he could jump so high, he would jump, he'd have the ball in his, the crook of his arm, right? He would jump over the rim with the ball and then spike it down with his other hand. That was called the rock the baby. That was a hell of a dunk. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah. Anybody hit their head on the rim? A I lot did of people. When I was in. Oh, what? <laughs> you did. Yeah, that was on a, a seven-foot basket. <laughs> no, that was one that was Listen, being assembled. It was still on the ground. When <laughs> I when I was when I was in college, I got within like four inches of the rim, and I'm only five six and a half. I had mad hops when I. I could still slap the backboard at forty. So you know, I can't wow. do it anymore. But I I could jump. But I went to the doctor for some knee pain about a, uh, six months ago. He took X-rays of my knees. He said you got knees of a guy twenty years younger than you. Really? I got that going for me, Look which is you. nice. Wow, that is nice. Yeah. You got, got the shoulders of a ninety-year-old. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you for that. Your knees. <laughs> well, and, and so it, does that resurrect that everybody's saying he saved the dunk competition. He saved it. I I thought it was no. spectacular, but he's also not a name. He's he's a name right at this moment, and maybe we'll, maybe next year we're going to be going. What was that kid's name again? That kid, the, oh, yeah. you know, the little oh, guy he's coming. There's no way he's not coming back, but. I think he saved it in that people are still talking about the dunk contest, because, even though a no-name guy won it. So that gives the NBA license to say, let's just find the best dunkers. And I think Stephen A. Smith said it on first take this week, where he said every, every NBA play, superstar or all-star gets to go out and find a dunker. Right? Some, who cares? Some guy at Rucker Park in New York or some guy on the streets of Chicago or Detroit who can just do unbelievable dunks. And he said it. You bring him in, the, the NBA star sponsors him, puts him up for the weekend, works with him, the whole thing, and then it's a million dollars first prize, half a million second prize. That's a good that idea. Would that because, would be fun, too. Stephen, yeah. Stephen A. has a good one there. That's a great mm-hmm. idea because, you know, everybody knows everyone pretty mm-hmm. much in the NBA can dunk, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it, and, but and, it used to be the stars. It was Dominique Wilkins, and it oh. was Michael Jordan, and it was Kobe Bryant, and, and all yeah. these stars. And yeah, right. Those were the guys. I mean, I'd love to see John Morant. Right, the, the, the dunks he does in the game are astounding. You know, but but they're just not. You know, it's just not the same. I remember when Darnell Hillman used to be in the dunk contest uh, that the NBA that CBS used to do at halftime of the NBA games. Uh, and he lost his job in the NBA, and he was like competing with just a generic blue jersey on because he he was such a good dunker, but he didn't have a team. So does it? I mean, before we let you go, do you think in yeah. order to truly save the dunk competition that they need to bring somehow get the stars back involved when it was no? no? They've got to get the best dunkers. You're People saying the opposite uh, because the stars. The stars are going to play it safe, and the stars may not have the creativity, and they don't have the time to practice, and blah blah blah, and all that. 
I think what, what we're talking about here is fine. I, I just want the best dunkers. And if that's some dude who happens to you know drive a FedEx truck or a lawyer or whatever who can jump out of the building and is creative, you know what, what happened to the guy who used to be able to bang the ball off the blackboard with two hands, go underneath and reverse dunk or something? Come on. Let's get creative. I'll be a consultant on this. <laughs> you'll, you'll be a dunk designer. That's what you'll right, be Give doing. me an eight-foot rim, right, seven-foot rim, and I'll, I'll show you what to do. And it, like make, I, make it a seven. Okay. Yeah, okay. I feel like Connie Hawkins, when he got older, he said he, he missed a dunk, and someone said, Connie, what happened? He said that he got like, to lower the hoop or raise the floor because the hawk can't soar no more. <laughs> That's great. That is solid. Uh, he is El Hombre, Michael Bradley. You can find him on Twitter, at Daily Hombre, at Daily Hombre on Twitter, and you find him here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock. We appreciate it, Michael. We'll talk again next week. So long, suckers. There you go. Man, he had that uh, quote from Connie Hawkins, like, that, down. Nailed. Did you just look it up? Well, I'm just looking up <laughs> Connie Hawkins. But <laughs> they got to lower the rim and raise the floor. Because I the hawk can't soar no soar more. No more. <laughs> That's wow. funny. Uh, if you missed any of our conversation with El Hombre or anything from the show, you just head to the podcast page at seattlesports.com, click on our picture, and then scroll down, and uh, you'll see it waiting for you after the show each and every day. What do they do next, Dave? Subscribe. That's right. That's right. You subscribe. Try Don't make... try to throw that over at me. What's I, hadn't done it. I saw that Lefko was ready. I could see him out of my, me. my peripheral. He was, he was geared up. He was ready to go. I'll hide next time. Yeah, next time, turn your back. It'll fool me. All right, coming up, uh, what are the chances of Deron Payne ending up in Seattle? We'll get into that next. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. So you like the idea of bringing in just... Josh McGeggy off the street to be Josh sponsored McGeggie. by sponsored by John Morant or anybody else out yeah. there, and said, so "That's my guy. He's representing me." And yeah, you go down to uh, like the YMCA, or you're playing in a league or whatever. I remember playing over at Redmond Athletic Club, and uh, yeah, there was you know there was my brother played at the time, and I think I was. 39 or 40 and he was 42 and then there were like these 18 year olds you know and 19 year olds but yeah there was always some kid that was just ridiculous there was a kid who played in like up in Canada or something in some kind of league and he was like you couldn't you couldn't even you couldn't guard him you just couldn't he would just zip right around he was amazing and which and here he is you know not even able to sniff the NBA yeah but, you know, you, you get these guys that, like, in your league that are legendary, and that guy was one of those guys. There's got to be, you know, at least 20, 30 guys out there that have ridiculous hops and, you know, can do these these creative dunks or whatever. I think that would be – because we all know the NBA players can dunk. Everybody can dunk, and there's really, like Alombre was saying, there's really not that much more you can do. I mean, you jumped over a car. You jumped over yeah, as two far as people. props and things like that. We've yeah. had the blindfold. We've had the didn't didn't um, Dwight Howard have a phone booth? He came out of and he was dressed as he was wearing a Superman uh, cape. I think he did that, which then, had nothing to do with the dunk. <laughs> well, he was called Superman, but yeah, he just yeah, yeah it was just all for show. And then it was a uh, was a Blake Griffin jumped over the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I, Mac McClung was pretty darn entertaining in <laughs> this one, man. That well, was, I think part of it was he was a no-name. Well, part of it was the dunks themselves and that he nailed them all on the first try. He wasn't one of those guys who was going 
like Nate Robinson, where it was like 20 tries later, and then he, oh, he nailed yeah. it. And now I know they've adjusted the rules, so you don't do that. But it was just, man, he was good. It was yeah. impressive. So I don't know. I kind of there's part of me that longs for the day where it was the stars, where it was you know Kobe and it was Jordan and it was Dominique and it was Sean Kemp entered. He didn't win, but he was part of it. And just you know the ferocious dunkers that you watched every other night during a season, you'd get to see them compete against each other. That was pretty cool as well. But they just They've gone away from that. Now it's not the superstars, and it hasn't been for quite some time. So, yeah, maybe that's not a bad idea. We'll give that'll be one of the one you, of the few times I'll give Stephen A. I was going to say you don't like it because it was Stephen A.'s idea. What if no. it just pretend I'm it came from not bad? Pretend I, it came from Al Ombre. <laughs> no, but just pretend. I, I still in my if I had a choice, I'd say have the stars do it. But they're not. They won't do it. So I don't think LeBron. LeBron's never been in a dunk competition. I don't think so. Yeah, it's just it's slowly the stars have, have morphed away from it. So if it's not going to be that, no, I think it's it's a solid idea. I'd watch it. I'd definitely watch it. Didn't Sean Kemp like um, kind of like throw it through? Like I don't remember him like banging his his uh, hands on the rim so much as like you talking just in general way in the dunk up above and just kind of throwing he, it. Well, down. he talked about that even for a guy who was six eleven, which is what he was listed at, that his hands were fairly small. So yeah. he, he had a hard time gripping the ball. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, the, for that side, I mean, mm-hmm. if you shake his hand, it's going to feel like a big hand. But comparatively speaking, I guess, it. Yeah, I remember that being a thing that he, you know, in those dunk competitions, he had a harder time hanging on to the ball and whatever. I yeah, mean, he kind of curl it. Yeah, he kind of cradle it a little bit. But he, he was, I mean, he was a monster. Man, it was fun watching him out there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I long, I long for the days of the stars out there. But yeah. if, if they're not going to be out there at all, then, yeah, maybe it would be more fun having guys that don't even play in the league and saying, having LeBron say, this is my guy Dave Wyman representing me from the mean streets of uh, Worcester High School. Reno, in Nevada. Me- yeah. <laughs> Reno, Nevada. <laughs> Some, from the, the hard luck, hard, hard scrabble courts of uh, Worcester High. He right. found his way into the dunk competition. I've sponsored him. So, yeah, that could be cool. Uh, meanwhile, we, we heard from uh, Sam Fortier earlier, and uh, it, he's he covers the Washington Commanders for the Washington Post. And the, we talked about the idea of Deron Payne perhaps coming to Seattle. I felt much better about it before we talked to him. Because when we talked mm-hmm. to him, he made it sound like they, they're probably going to tag him is what it sounds like. Now, they they don't. Is it them or the Bucks that are in bad? The Bucks are the ones that are really Bucks bad. Are like, like fifty uh, well, million. Washington's over. like eight the million under. Don't have much, right? yeah. yeah, they only have eight million in cap space. Yeah, so neither they can't t- afford them either. Neither team is in great shape, but the the Commanders are in much better shape than the Bucks. Well, it's funny, you know, listening to was it Sam Fortier that was in Washington or yeah. what was who was the other guy? Dan Loach was that the guy's <laughs> name? Who, uh, that we had yeah, down at uh, NFC South? Yeah, Greg Almond. Greg. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like, well, that, that's never going to happen because they're way over. Well, they'll get under. You know, they'll find a way. They're going to cut a bunch of stuff. And, you know, so whenever you see somebody's over now being 50, 55 million over, that's different. Um, but if somebody's like, you know, 5 to 10 or 15, I feel like, yeah, you can manage that. You can move move things around and, you know, try to get – because we were talking to him about, about Gino. But but you're right about the, the $19 million, boy, for a defensive tackle – I mean that's pretty that's pretty amazing. 
I wonder. I wish the great uh, Cortez Kennedy was still alive because I would. I would love to call him and go. What do you think about this, brother? You got nineteen million dollars for a D tackle. That's not you know. And typically, like he was one of those guys that was like Aaron Donald. I mean, he's one of the one of the best in the history. I mean, I think you go John Randall, Aaron Donald, Cortez Kennedy. This is just modern day interior guys. Yeah, you have to put Warren Sapp in there, even though he's. Even though sap, yeah, being (laughs) so, yeah, the not many guys and nineteen million, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's kind of discouraging that that it that guy may not be available. But the guy that I was talking about earlier, um, and it was actually uh, Bump and Stacy were talking about, was uh, Javon Hargrave. He's a D tackle for Philly, and that was the that was the one they both were talking about. And he's he's thirty years old, but. You know, he had 11 sacks last year. Was part of that, that really. So he could be an option. So my my point is, Deron Payne's not the only guy out there, right? Yeah, he's now, just he's just one we've kind of been talking about and kind of settled on a little bit. Quickly before we get to the break here, we talked about uh, Levante David, who you've talked about a lot over the years. He's been a very very good linebacker, but he's 33 years old right now. And and our guy compared him to Bobby Wagner, where he's at. Did that change your enthusiasm? For bringing him here, that was he was one of the reasons. His age was one of the reasons I didn't mention as a guy that they should go after. Just because yeah. in football years as a linebacker, he's going to be thirty four. Yeah, yeah, I get that. For a year or two, you could bring a guy like that in, and he would just help your young guys. And he's such a good downhill player. Um, he doesn't get hurt a ton. A ridiculous lack of pro. Pro Bowls, mm-hmm. you know. I think only two. He was All Pro in his second year, but I mean, you, you look at his numbers, and and he hasn't. He really hasn't missed a lot of games. You know, last year he played seventeen. The year before that, twelve. Then it was sixteen, sixteen, fourteen, thirteen, sixteen, sixteen. So, yeah. I mean, I I like him. Um, maybe a one year deal for a guy like that because number one, I'd say linebacker is just as dire of a position right now as D tackle. I mean, you at least have defensive tackles that you can re-sign. The linebackers, I don't. I mean, we don't know about you know if uh, Jordan Brooks is going to be ready, and then Cody Barton has gone back from in my in the way I view linebackers, he's gone from being a guy who could start not only here but everywhere else to a bit of a question mark. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what he can do. Is it just a certain defense? Is it just things that he can understand? What what happened last year? And everybody else. With all due respect, feel like guys. They feel like they're Tanner good Muse, for, Tanner Muse, John Radigan. They feel like they're depth. Like, yeah. yeah, good to have on the roster. But are you going out there going, "Hey, man, I feel good about our starters, our linebackers"? They, yeah, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could you could throw in Nick Ballore, even though they didn't yeah. seem to want to put him in there. But yeah, yeah, yeah it does, that definitely could use a, an improve. All right, coming up, Eric Bieniemy has officially left the Chiefs. We'll break down what that means for the NFC. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Man, we spent a lot of time talking about Eric Bieniemy. For a guy that's got nothing to do with the Seahawks. AFC West. Actually, he may have more to do with him now. Yeah, he's been in the AFC with the Chiefs and just been a success story. And now he's in the NFC. So maybe we'll have some more... Uh, a little little closer 
version or view of what it is he does because he's now with the Washington Commanders, hired as their offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach, I guess. is he, So he's got the title. I assume he's getting a lot more money. I hope he's getting a lot more money. Real so, quick, how tall do you think he is? Eric Bieniemy, he looks short. He looks, I'm going to say 5'9". Five, 5'7". Five, wow. 5'7"? Yeah. You know, it's funny, I, I guess, because sometimes my memory sort of puts certain things together that don't go together. Uh, <laughs> I did remember that he went to Colorado, but I remember him with the Chiefs as a player, but he wasn't. He was with the Chargers, and that's where I ran across him. And like I said, he was a pain. Yeah. I mean, he, from 91 to 94, which is the time I played, uh, he was with the Chargers, and he was one of those guys that was always yapping and everything, and... You know, but he was a competitor, man. Yeah, and he's he's had a tremendous run of success in Kansas City. The question became: Is it due to him? Is it Andy Reid? Is it you? Know, you got the best quarterback in the league and the best tight end in the league, and you know they invested all this money in their old line and all that stuff. We're going to find out because he's going to a situation that does not feature any of that. They do not have anything close to the best quarterback in the no. league or the best tight end in the league or anything close to the weaponry that they have. They got a good defense, but that doesn't help him in terms of what it is he's going to show the world on offense. But we we all look at it and go, well, how is this guy not getting a head coaching gig with all of the success he's had? And, and what did our, our uh, was it Greg Allman? Yeah. No, that was, was the other name you called him. Yeah. Greg Dan Loach. Yeah. Dan Loach. <laughs> where, where did that name come from? I have no idea. No, it came from when you asked me the name of the Kentucky play-by-play guy. Okay. You go, you walk in, you go, who are you interviewing? Don Loach? Or yeah, Dan but Loach? Bob wants to know where Tom in Leach. my brain it know. came from. And that's So the guy I he's referring explain. to, his name was Tom Leach? Yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan Loach. Loach. <laughs> Those two are similar sounding. God, yeah. Tom, Leach, Loach. Leach, Loach. Leech, Loach. Yeah. So we spoke with Greg Allman, who, who uh, was, was talking about, I think he said he had 15 interviews. Is that? Yeah. Do I, am I remember, oh, no, remember? no, Fortier, then. The Washington guy. The Sam. Washington guy, yeah, Fortier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's the one who said, but did he say 15? Yes. Mm-hmm. 15 interviews he's had as for a head coaching this job. This year. No, just I think oh, just you just mean over time. Okay. Yeah, not this year. Well, I mean, he didn't have time to put his pants on, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> but here's yeah. so so the belief is he, this guy knows the game inside and out. Look at his track record of success. Why is he not getting a job? Lashawn McCoy, who played for the Chiefs for a bit. Now some have said that there could be some hurt feelings because he got benched out there in Kansas City. So maybe there's an axe to grind. I don't know. I don't know, but this is what he had to say about the enemy. What's his value? What makes him a good office coordinator? See, the problem is a lot of these people that go on social media, oh, he should be the guy for the job. They haven't played there. They're not in the locker room. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching, and he has nothing to do with the pass game at all, right? When the plays are, are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about officer coordinators, I can tell you what makes Brian Dayball with the Giants a very, very good coordinator. I can tell you what Andy Reid or Doug Peterson but when I asked about Eric Bieniemy, what makes him good? When we watch the film or practices and we correct the the, the wide receivers, the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. Man, I you talk about throwing somebody under the table. Wow, Lashawn <laughs> yeah. McCoy. I don't know. Here, here come the text, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> throwing him under the table. It's it, under the bus, Dave. Well, they listen enough, right? If well, people know every one of your stories, is it over they when the Germans reference. bombed Pearl Harbor? These are always the two tests. Yeah. We'll see how often they listen okay. because the text will come flying in. But go ahead. Continue. No, I mean, he really did. He, he really was like, wow, that 
But, you know, maybe that's the case. I, I think that was a little mean. I think he's a good coach. Obviously, he's with, you know, he can't be that bad that everybody's, I mean, obviously, Andy Reid has kept him there for a long time. Well, and this is the first time I've heard that from anybody. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that, if that's true. Well, or... I never heard anything, not even close, about him not knowing the pass game or, or, or did he say the run game? Which one was he said it? said the pass game. The pass game, That yeah. Andy Reid did all that. Yeah, so and that that's probably I mean look, maybe Bianami finds his ceiling. Everybody finds their ceiling of where, you know, how far they're going to go in in the NFL. This guy's been at it for a long time though. I mean, if you look at just his playing history, he went to Colorado and then played with the Chargers uh, Bengals and Eagles from 91 to 99. And then in 2001, started off as a running back coach at Colorado, UCLA. Then he goes to Minnesota. I mean, he's been, he's been around for a long time. So I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him. <laughs> you know, I, I hope he, he does well there, but I think when it comes to like a, like they were asking me in Tampa yesterday when I, I talked to the station down there, they're like, tell us about Dave Canales and you know what, it's kind of hard to tell. Like, what does the receiver coach do? What mm-hmm. you know is he the one that's special, or is he just out there running them through drills? Yeah. You know, or is it you know is who's really coaching them? Who's saying the things that Pete says? Like Pete instills confidence in in players, and that's that's typically those are the kind of guys that like I'd say pretty much everybody in the NFL knows their X's and O's. Mm-hmm. You know, and but. The guys that can go above and beyond and like see things coming and then, you know, just be good to the players and try to invest in them and try to get the most out of them. That's where, you know, maybe he's not the best at. Maybe he's an X's and O's guy. But I, I just don't I think it's interesting that when people say, Well, you know, why hasn't he gotten a head coach? I, I feel like a coaching job. I feel like, well, there's there's probably an answer and it's probably pretty simple. Maybe he's just he doesn't have that kind of makeup. But so what? Some of the best coaches that I've known have been that type. Tom Catlin talk bring that up all the time. That you know, Rusty Tillman. Rusty thought he was a head coach. He wasn't. He just mm-hmm. wasn't, and he was a really awesome, maybe one of the best in NFL history special teams coach. So, yeah, it's it's not for everybody. And really, you have to be a little bit of a diplomat, you know, kind of a politician. You have, yeah. to, you have to deal with a bunch of crap that you don't want to deal with. And a lot of the coordinators and, and some of the position coaches, they enjoy that. Because I know I did, and this is high school, right? But whenever the coaches or the players' uh, parents would come to me when I was the defensive coordinator for Ray Roberts as head coach at at uh, Lake Washington, them along. it's like, oh man, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, go talk to the head coach; he's right over there. <laughs> yeah, Just keep. Why the is, line oh, moving. your kid's not playing. Oh, you know what? Ray Roberts can answer all those questions. <laughs> Ray's down there looking at you. I'm yeah. glad I slapped that ball out of your hands. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at Ray like, sorry, big dog. You're the head coach, man. That's that's the way it goes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's lots of uh, things about that. I mean, you get all the fame and the notoriety, but a lot of coaches would rather just be an assistant or a coordinator. All right, coming up, we'll dive into a few potential free agents for the Seahawks team. That is coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.